Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the All the World podcast. I am your host. My name is Cedric Gagel. I am an actor, a filmmaker, a screenwriter, and I host this podcast. And my guest today is awesome. She is a producer. She's worked in development. She's a screenwriter. She's a novelist. She's marvelous in so many ways. Her name is Amanda Valentine. Amanda, welcome to the show. Hello. How are you? I sound so great when you put it that way. (laughs) Look at me go. (laughs) Yes. When I list all of the facts about you, you do sound pretty great. Uh, You have such an interesting, just like the the scope of just your living has been cool. Because you you went to Arizona State and you studied film and media studies with a minor in religious studies. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. Okay. And then you you worked in LA for a while, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm And now you're in New Zealand. I am. Which is, you're, you're basically in Lord of the Rings. <laughs> it's gorgeous here, I will say. It is like, this is, it's, I, it's one of the, it's very frustrating for a writer when you can't find words. <laughs> um, and there is, <laughs> there's just something about like landing here. The colors in this country are just so rich. Like huh, the sky yeah. is a blue I've never seen. And I would be explaining that to people and they'd be like, no, it's, I mean, it's a blue sky. What are you talking about? Like, no, no, no. The sky is so blue here. And I like had to look it up. <laughs> I found an article <laughs> that it's the second bluest the sky is in the world. Oh, really? Yeah. It's like scientifically backed. It is sci- backed. Wow. It is so Dope. blue here. And the colors are so lush. And most I realized that what I'd seen of New Zealand was Queenstown. Um, mm. I helped on a film called Everest, uh, which was shot in Queenstown. So it was ice and snow and mountains. And for some reason, I didn't like that's just I realized what I had in my head. And when I landed here, it was lush island green and these beautiful bright flowers. And it was just like, <laughs> oh, my God, I was like, I was not expecting this. Like, but, you know, because I live north. Um, yeah, it's just a, a beautiful place. And I'm grateful every day to be here for the time yeah. that I am. And it's just a really welcoming place. And I could, I could spend the whole time talking about New Zealand. <laughs> yeah. Are you going to pick up the accent? Cause it's a cool accent. It's a really cool accent. Yeah. yeah I do find myself um, having lived here for a little over a year. I find myself saying, want, like I'll stop as I'm speaking to someone from here <laughs> because I'm like, don't be that girl. Like, you know what I mean? Like, don't, <laughs> right. don't do it. Don't you dare. <laughs> And I'm talking and I want to say, like, how are you going? You know, like, instead of how are you doing? Like, how are you going? I'm just like, mm-mm, mm-mm. So I have to, like, pause and be like, okay, how are you doing? <laughs> you know, and I love it. And I think it's great. I just don't want them to look at me and be like, yeah, okay. Right. Sure, sure, right. sure. I, li- I also like how casually you mentioned that you just worked on Everest, which has a wonderful score. Uh, beautiful score. Um, you also worked on one of... A film that I consider to be one of the most underrated of the past few years, which is The Giver. Uh, I think The Giver is a really wonderful film. It's, yeah, it's different from the book, but I just think the way that they told that story on screen was really well done. I was a big fan of that. You worked on Wonder. You worked on A Dog's Purpose. Yeah. I mean, well, cool I, stuff there. Yeah, it's really cool. I, I was more on the studio side of stuff. So it's, it's you know, when you're... um you know, you feel like when you say like, you know, you work on a title, you're like in the, you're like on the production itself. Sure. And, sure. 
Um, so I always like when I say those things, I'm like, oh, I helped. <laughs> like, I'm like, I, I helped. Um, <laughs> right, like it wasn't a job or you didn't like, like you were just there like, you guys need anything? Like, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, these are great movies. I worked for a company named Malden, uh, which is just an amazing company and an amazing group of people. And I really loved being a part of that team. And I'm still very close to a lot of the people on there, um, from there and sort of where we've all branched out and where we've gone. Um, but yeah, these, it's been a, it's been a really fun experience and it's been a really fun time. Like it's been, it's been a fun life, you know, it's just like, <laughs> life's nice. <laughs> um. Well, and in addition to this, these films that you worked and or, you know, helped out on, however one might want to phrase that, uh, <laughs> You also have, you've written novels, um, which are apparently quite good based on what I understand. I have not had the pleasure of reading them, but now I will, uh, as well as some screenplays that have had some success on things like The Blacklist, which we can talk about. Um, uh, To have the things said about your screenplays that have been said is not an easy feat, and it's a testament to your writing ability and I know you're not necessarily prone to to talking about that I think there's a reason that writers are writers and not talkers uh so I get that (laughs) (laughs) but also that's an achievement in and of itself thank you to to have that response to your work yes it's been really wonderful um to it's to me it's not so much that you know it's oh you've got like a great review or look what somebody said it's really to me it's that it resonated with someone at all. Um, yeah. Uh, one of the best compliments I'd ever received of my writing, um, the screenplay that I put on the blacklist in particular was, um, a friend of mine who I've been good friends with since like first grade. <laughs> um, something happens to the protagonist or, you know, the, one of her character development notes, I guess. Um, and she was taken, it was taken with inspiration from her, not necessarily from her life, but experiences yeah. that she had shared with me. And she was like, you really nailed it. Like, that's what it felt like reading that. I mm. felt that in her. Um, and I had, you know, I was very, I was a little bit apprehensive because I actually didn't tell her that outright. Like, hey, I was inspired by this part of your life mm. that was difficult to talk about. And I, you know, um, and her stories, like so many other stories, um, but she was like, you know, it really spoke to me and it was something that I myself, I hadn't experienced, but that she felt that I gave that its due. Um, and I treated it well. Um, I think, you know, that's the kind of review that really sticks with me. Um, and just hearing yeah. any time that anything you write resonates with someone um, is just a really great feeling as you know like you know, you've written right. too and you're just like that something i had to say spoke to you or made you feel something or i made you feel something you hadn't considered before or look at a situation in your life a little bit differently right um that's always what's really great to me and that's kind of what draws me to storytelling in the first place you know yeah um because we're all here to learn like that's all this you know that's if you if you I feel like if I've done anything good in my life, it's that I've learned um, from mm. other people and that I've listened and that I've grown, you know, as a person. And, wow. Yeah. I mean, that transcends art though, right? Like that's, yeah. that's a great statement. Uh, and on what you just said about like, when you take inspiration from things, you want to honor the thing that you're, that you're taking it from. And I guess 
you know, similar to that, I think there's also an element of shared experience. I just got notes on a screenplay that um, I've written that uh, it was funny throughout the, the PDF. It's a very heavy drama that is also um, really offbeat humor. I mean, humor where it shouldn't be um, and not like purely dark. I mean, just in a way that it's, it's written to be about today's teens. Like those are the main characters and um, I'm not that far removed. You know, I'm in my mid to late twenties. And so I, I understand all the way a lot of the grief is dealt with. And so there's this really like horrible grief filled moment. And then just like, such a dark joke that you know would be made and i was like i don't know if this is gonna play and i got notes back and i was scrolling it and it was like the notes were like sobbing i'm crying and sometimes you get that notes and you're like oh it was that bad uh and you know then it was like this is really funny now i'm crying again and then i got to one and it was like you know this reminded me of x family member and you've got me crying again and i was like okay cool well if this if the script can have that impact then i feel pretty good about you know, because because ultimately what we're writing is a lot of what you're writing is emotions and memories, ultimately. Yeah. And what you said, too, um, which really <clears throat> struck me was when you said, you know, humor where it shouldn't be. And there's such um, such a heavy thing comes from saying should. Right. It's casting some oh. sort of like judgment on what, you know, you're saying something should be a certain way. And I try, um, I made it a daily practice in the last four or five months to not say should, um, it should be huh. this, or I should be doing that. It's like, and I always just say back to myself, like if I catch it, um, should according to who, you know, huh. like who's, is it you? Is it your inner critic? Is it your inner judge that's telling you what you should be doing, what you should be saying or what life should be like? It is as it is. Um, and that, that's it. Like it's sometimes it's just that simple. And when you say, you know, humor where there shouldn't be, but I can tell you how many times, you know, something right. really dark is happening in your life and you tell a joke in the middle of it, you know, because you just, it's how you cope or it's how you process right. or, you know, and then it's, you know, so it's great that you put it in there because you're like, well, should it be in there? I was like, should according to who? Like if you were there exactly. and you told a joke because it helped you, um, or you felt it would help the people around you in this moment. Like, you know, we're all living in relatively dark times. <laughs> <You know? Yeah. laughs> and, yeah. you know, we're making memes about it and we're, you know, joking <laughs> about it because what else, you know, you gotta, you gotta do something. Some people, that's what works for them, you know? Right. Um, well, it's so going to be funny here in about two weeks when I, someone says you should do this and I'll be like, don't say should. And I'll be like, who said that? And I'll be like, Amanda said you shouldn't say that. <laughs> Shouldn't gag, you know, that's true. <laughs> Amanda said you shouldn't say should. Oh, it it starts getting very complex there. And I, my brain's not in a place for paradox <laughs> at the moment. Uh, but I want to go there to something much more light um, in nature. From what depths of humanity do you reach in to find the very core emotional truths of your script? <laughs> um, oh. Jeez, wow, that's a question. To what depths? <laughs> um, you know, the thing, I find that writing um, for me is just a really, is a way of processing. Um, hmm. You know, uh, there are things about me that sometimes I don't even realize until I write it down. 
you know? Or even when you go back to read your own writing, like have you ever had a book and you read it and you have, you know, an emotional connection to it, there's something about it that speaks to you and then you don't read it and then two years later you read it and it's like, you know, I equate it to, you know, like picking love notes from the back of your closet, you know, and being like, oh, wow, like, you know, you see it in a completely different lens or you look back on like, I have literally saved my notes from a friend of mine, you know, from like junior high, she may have been friends since fifth grade. <laughs> and like going back to like, look those over, you know, every five years, you're like, woo, like, <laughs> you know, um, so even when I go back to read my own writing, to edit it or to revisit it, you see it completely differently. Um, you know, you feel like, you know, I wrote that and I thought I knew it. You know, I thought I knew the thing I was writing and here I am four years later and I'm like, girl, like you did not know. Like now I know, like now I, and then I'm sure I'll say the same thing five years from now. You know, you just are constantly growing and evolving. And, um, but so I'll look back on just recently, I looked back on something I'd written and I was like, I didn't even realize that I saw the situation that way as I was writing it. Um, and so sometimes it just reveals a lot of yourself. Um, so to what depths I would say, I don't even know, <laughs> like, I don't even know until it's <laughs> happening until it's already written. Um, yeah. And there are two really interesting things that you brought up and I hope I remember both of them because I can't ask them both at once because they're very, very different. The first is you talked about how you read something that you wrote five years ago. And I, I think this is especially true now. I feel like within COVID we could read something we wrote like, six months ago and we'll be like that was a different person uh they were happy yes um yes. and it's like <laughs> not, not that they were happy part but that's a different person <laughs> i wrote that I was like mm-hmm. no 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 <laughs> like, yes, anyway like, that's a we, we read things that we once wrote uh and we go wow you know what was i think like i didn't know enough about that and then we know inevitably in five years we'll think the same thing but um, you know, you, you have a minor in religious studies and I used to work for, uh, a very strange church, uh, called Jacob's porch where the whole idea was students should, should wrestle with the concept of the eternal, um, and with whatever God was. Uh, and one of the rules, there were five rules at Jacob's porch that you had to follow in conversation. And that was, the, that was how we would maintain healthy, you know, boundaries and, and make sure that it was a good space. And one of the rules was to embrace the beauty and futility of enough of that. What you've written and what you understand now is enough. And at the same time, it will never be enough. And that there is, you know, a lack of logic there that exists that we're all kind of hanging in. And that that must be embraced. And I feel like that is so much, that is so applicable to those who create. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, it's just like, I want to tell me more. I'm like, what are the other ones? (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. What were the others? One was like the aroma of Christ was one of the rules. So it was like, um, this idea of trying to understand God. And it, it was a Christian church, but very open to, you know, People should not come in with preconceived notions was basically the idea. So it was, you don't talk, you talk about all these senses of like, oh, we see Jesus, we can feel Jesus, but no one really talks about like smelling Jesus. 
uh, like breathing Jesus in in that sense. So that was one of the rules. Man, I'm going to get killed by any of the JP students if they listen to this and I can't remember all of them. Uh, I am so fascinated. I love what... Another rule is unknowing the revealed God, which is a fascinating one to me. So it's basically like take the God that you know and then unknow that. Deconstruct the presupposed image you have of mm-hmm. what God is. I like that. Um, which again, like take the idea of what the rules are and what story has to be and break it down and rebuild it. Um, faith is made whole in community is one of the rules. So it's like you have to function as a part of the community, um, which is so true in this industry, which is so um, isolating so often, especially as a writer, right? So much of your work is done sitting in front of a computer with a cup of coffee and a lot of hopes and a lot more cynicism uh, that like community is an essential part of creation. Yeah, that's um, true. And then the, the last rule is, and this is the one that I always like, this is the one that like has become a core piece of me is humility, vulnerability, and dignity. So those three have to be maintained to have healthy conversations. So you have to ascribe both yourself and the other person, humility, vulnerability, and dignity. And I think when it comes to writing, you need to be able to ascribe that to your characters, even if their actions are not justifiable. If you can ascribe all three of those, then you can create a character that is fleshed out and is making decisions on their own two feet. And to yourself. Like, yeah. that's, you know, especially as you're writing. I, I feel like, and a lot of writers are this way, a lot of creators are this way, um, is it's, you just get so critical. It's almost, yeah. you know, you, you know, you don't allow yourself you know, it's, you know, as you're writing, when you're criticizing yourself, you know, as you're writing, you're being vulnerable, you know? And so when your critic comes in, your inner critic, especially, um, and starts to attack what you've written, if you know, you're attacking yourself, like I, I just gave all I had to this, you know, page or whatever. And then even when you go back to like edit yourself, you know, <laughs> um, you have to do it with this coming from, you know, giving yourself grace, you know, to say like, it's, you know, it's nothing against you. It's nothing against what you've written. It's just, you know, it's more about how can I express what I want to express more clearly um, Mm. rather than this sucks and I'm taking it out, which is just like so easy (laughs) to be like, you go to write it and then you're like, this is garbage. And you like want (laughs) to chuck it out the window and you're like, why am I even doing what I'm doing? This is horrible. Like this is, you know, and you, your worst, you know, you're harder on yourself almost as a, as a protection, because then if, you know, if nobody's harder on you than you, (laughs) you know, so it's, right, you know, um, and you know, when you're being vulnerable and you're, and you're writing, it's, you know, give yourself that, like, you know, appreciate that. Thank yourself. Thank yourself for taking the chance and trying to understand yourself and the world around you and the way that speaks to you because everybody, you know, that's, that's just my way, like a writer, you know, that's just kind of how I understand the world. People understand it, you know, through music or, you know, any other way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and there's so many things about what you just said, that are so true. Uh, it's you can write without being vulnerable, but I would argue that 
it's probably impossible to write well without being vulnerable. Yeah. Uh, and it's like really that. hard to write vulnerably and then go back and try to edit it while still ascribing yourself dignity. Uh, and that's where the humility comes in as far as the critic of going, oh, I see what you were saying there and you said that well. But so much of, you know, we, we, we know the old phrase, all writing is, you know, editing, essentially. Um, and I don't know about you, but when I write, I have, when I start editing, uh, and even when I'm doing the first draft, I have thesaurus.com like open as one of my tabs because I use the verb stares so often because so much of my like, especially comedic beats are like, he stares, she stares, he <laughs> stares again. You know, it's like, okay, well, you know, I did a Google search on a feature script. It was 97 pages. I used the word stares like 40 times. And I was like, <laughs> that is a lot of times. <laughs> 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 and it's kind of hard to maintain dignity when you're like, you use the word stares <laughs> 40 times. <laughs> like Maybe you're just not a good writer. Like That's a <laughs> lot. <laughs> It's funny because that's, that's how I am with, um, the, someone had tweeted that, but I remember being like, oh yeah, I totally, like, you know, everybody has like their word or their, you know, their crunch of mine is, is right. chuckling. And I realized, I was like, how <laughs> many times, these people are just chuckling at each other. And I realized it's, <laughs> it is because it's, and I, if you take a good hard look at yourself and you're like, ah, yes, it's because I do that all the time. It's like my, like, it's just so you know. It's like a release because you're like, oh, like you're just like you know. I don't know. If I'm in an awkward situation. I'm chuckling at it. <laughs> like, I really like what you just said, which is admitting that anytime you're in an awkward situation, you just go, ha ha. <laughs> 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 or I, or I, I play with my. I, I do that where I play with my hair. <laughs> like I'm like, huh, huh. Like, if I'm in an awkward situation, I'm just like. Uh, yeah chuckling is my yeah is my go-to and you it just real that's the thing too it's like writing is really reveals a lot about yourself mm. you know because you you know especially when, you know, if you're writing and you're just kind of like you know you shut off the editor and you just go with it right and right. Um, you go back right. and you look it just it really teaches you a lot about you <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> good mm, and bad mm. and i yeah. think that that's you know, I, I have the experience of acting and, and acting shows you a lot of your best and worst parts. But I think writing is such a it, it's so heavy in the in the mind. You have to take something that exists only in your mind where it's not like acting where like, yeah, there's improv or whatever. But like there's so many other things that go into it. writing. It's there's an idea that existed only in your mind and if you do everything perfectly then there is a minuscule chance that someone is going to want to make it and then hundreds and <laughs> maybe thousands of people are going to work on taking this thing that is currently a single sentence or whatever in your mind a single image and they're going to make it into a whole thing and then people might hate it and <laughs> that is like yeah, who does Exist that? Who like that is willingly like, is like, ah, oh, yes, that's what I want to do with my life. That's <laughs> like, existential. All right, let's I do mean, it. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. <laughs> what are you doing? Like, yeah, why would you, you do, do that you to do yourself? To, yeah, good grief. Yeah, I um, it's because I've you know I've written screenplays and you know I've always wanted to write novels, but that whole thing just sort of seemed really intimidating to me because it was so. You know, there's, that's, it's just you. That's it. You know, 
<laughs> it's like, it's just you and your computer. And you're going to tell this whole story. <laughs> and if anybody's got anything to say about your story, it's only you <laughs> that they're going <laughs> right. to say it to. <laughs> you know, you can't pass the buck. <laughs> it's not like, oh, well, I wrote it, but he delivered it all wrong. That's not what I meant. <laughs> like, you know, and it's not like, there's well, no that's the to take he took. On. I'm yeah. going to tell you that there's there are three takes better than that one. Like you could just anybody can kind of, <laughs> you know, um, but with right with the novel, it's that's it. It's just if somebody's got a problem with it, a man of Valentine has to say, you take it up with a man of Valentine, <laughs> and that's it. Nobody else. Um, but I, there was, so it was very scary to me. It was really intimidating. Um, and I just thought, well, if I'm really scared of it, <laughs> maybe if I just do it, it won't be so scary. <laughs> so I, you know, sat down and, I, and then I realized I kind of liked that. I liked the, the control of writing a novel of, I bet I had the time to tell you, you know, what this character is sensing, what they're feeling, um, that, you know, only an actor can really explore from a screenplay, you know, because, uh, you know, a lot of screenwriting is don't tell the actor what to do. Like, don't, you know, right. you don't want to give anybody any sort of direction. That's not your job. Um, and a lot of my writing is very much, I'm sort of fascinated by the way your body tells you things you don't know about yourself, you know, how your body will mm. tell you how you feel about something before you've processed it and before you can decide how you feel about it. Um, and so I thought, you know, I always think that that's really interesting. Um, so a lot of my writing is that it's, you know, it's taking like the sensations and the feelings and sort of, you know, if you're feeling anxious, I, you know, I have <laughs> had panic attacks before so I know what those feel like I could write that down <laughs> like, right. you know and it's just that that's all information for you um, you know your body your thoughts your feelings are all information and you get to decide what you do with it um, and you can't do that <laughs> in a screenplay you know you kind of have to leave that up to everybody else and I just I liked being able to sort of set that free be like this is my experience with that this is what I know of that and I can put that out there and then someone can feel it. And hopefully one, you know, something that I've been fortunate enough to get, you know, feedback from people is that they said that they feel like they are those characters, you know, that they're like, wow. it's yeah. very vivid and they can feel that, you know, that I've had that sensation before. Like, so I understand how she's feeling in the moment without her telling me, she's telling me like how she feels in her body. Like, and mm. it kind of tells you how somebody feels in her. Anyway. So yeah. like with, you know, novels, I, I sort of, I was like, wow, I really dig on this. <laughs> control that i have here <laughs> yeah well and there's a freedom to it where it's not just like i think so much of screenwriting is a battle to have whatever control you can uh because first i think i i just remembered the other point that i was going to make earlier because i definitely was like i forgot it and i'm not going to mention that uh which is i think when we set out to write screenplays i don't know if this is your experience it's absolutely my experience when i write a screenplay i know what it's about I like I have my kind of thesis statement and my I want statement that somebody says at some point and I know what it's about. And then I write it and I walk away for, you know, a day or a week and then I come back to read it. And in my in, in my experience and in my approach. From the moment I type, you know, fade to black or the end or whatever on the first draft, it's no longer about what I wanted it to be about because it's no longer my story it's a story 
that has been written and is now about whatever it is about. And it is then my job to figure out what it is about. And maybe it's what I set out to write or like the one that I just finished up. Um, the second draft was a total from scratch rewrite because I had to get through the first draft to figure out what the story was telling me, which meant that the whole first draft was totally wrong. Uh, and that requires a vulnerability too. But so much of writing is this battle for control over how do I get the actor to feel this while still only saying it in visual language because the screenplay you can't write, you know, uh, Cedric thinks this. You can't write a thought because you can't see a thought. And so it shouldn't be in the screen. So you have to write, you know, Cedric's <laughs> breath catches as he sees the car. You mm-hmm. know, it's like, and that's, yeah. it's just this battle of like, how far can I push that before it's right. just like self-aggrandizing, you know? So th- I feel like there's a freedom in novels where you can literally just write pages and pages of thoughts, which you probably shouldn't, but you could. You could. <laughs> and then you'll go back and you'll take away pages and pages of thoughts. <laughs> um, yeah, For sure. Like, you, you, that's the thing, too. It's like, as you're writing it, you're like, wow, I feel like, you know, I have the time and the space to say all of this stuff. And then you, you just write it all. You just get it all out. And then you go back to read it. And you're like, oh, we are still on that. Like, you got to <laughs> chop it down. Like, we get it. We okay. Keep it moving. You know, um, it's just being like, how far do I have to describe a place or a feeling or, you know, and you realize just how similar, you know, there are certain things that, you know, that it's not so much screenwriting or, you know, writing a novel, it's storytelling. Mm. You know, and all of those, you know, just whether any way you're telling a story, there's more than one way to tell a story. Um, you realize, you know, it's, there's some, some truths just are unchanged where you're like, oh, we've got to keep it not quite as with, you know, right. with screenwriting where you're like, ah, like, you know, a page a minute. Like. <laughs> yeah. Um, as far as writing, if I was to say, you know, Amanda, I'm coming to you and I, I, I want you to write a script uh, you know, we're going to pay you to write a script and you're, you know, you're excited and you're like, Oh, what's it about? And I'm like, I don't know. Um, I don't care. We just, you know, we read your scripts. We think you're good. You have good samples. Um, just write whatever is true to you, write your own, you know, and then just like, get it to us. What would be your process to like, you know, how do you figure out even the the very beginnings of what a story is. I mean, how does that, because people ask me and I, I always say like, I don't know. So I'm not going to let you get away with that because no one's asking me right now. So uh, kind of like, what's your process to start a story or to even like get that, those first few steps into it? Um, first, I'm, I'm glad that this is only an audio recording because did you see my like my face? I was like, yes. <laughs> the, just the ride you took me on. <laughs> I was like, got her. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so my process, I guess. Um, I think I can say, you know, practically like step by step, this is how it happens. And then, of course, me being me, I'm like, but why? <laughs> so I get like, let's talk about the why for a second. Let's figure you out. And just this podcast is just going to be people listening to Amanda explore parts of herself, <laughs> trying to be like, where did that come from? Interesting. 
Um, and they're going to want a spinoff podcast of that. They're going to be like, we don't need this Cedric guy <laughs> just anymore. Listen, we just, just need like just Amanda to to just stream of consciousness for 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, which it, it could get there um, with this question. <laughs> so just bear with me. I am but like, I'll sit down. Usually typically how a story starts in my head is with a scene. Um, mm. <clears throat> which, you know, when you describe these things, like you, you sort of, I guess you could, you know, you could just say it's daydreaming, but like, you know, you, it's uh, a scene it pops into my head and, but it's justifiable because you're a writer. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. It's justifiable if you put it on paper, <laughs> you know? It's like, one of the best parts about it. wearing masks is that when I like go on a walk, I can like talk to myself and like write dialogue out mm-hmm, loud mm-hmm. and no one can tell that I'm talking. <laughs> <laughs> so it's yeah. great. I, uh, one thing I do too, it's the very much, um, I'll talk out loud, talking out loud. Like you got to hear it. And, um, uh, another thing I really appreciate that, you know, people have told me is that my dialogue sounds realistic. I was like, I think that's because. I'm just talking to myself. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. I just pop in. Man, who are you talking to? But who, who? No one. <laughs> just, just me. <laughs> um, so, a, you know, a, just a scene will pop into my head and it'll just sort of play itself out. And it's almost like I'm just watching it. And then I want to know why. It's really then I ask, why did she say that? Why did she you know, what was the story behind it? Like what's, you know, it's kind of like when you hear a conversation happening at the table behind you, you know, you're getting this tiny little moment of these people's lives, you know, or it's like you see an older couple on a bench. So one of my favorite things is I'll see an older couple on a bench at a park and I'm like, how long have they been together? Like 50 years, two days, (laughs) who knows? Like, let's really think about that. Like, and how, how did that play out like how are they how is it that they in this age are sitting so blissfully on this park bench like you know they've seen some stuff like (laughs) but they're just taking in the view um so anyway so a scene will just sort of pop into my head and I ask why like why Hmm. did she say that why did he respond this way what's happening what what has she experienced in her life that she sees this conversation this way um because I'm <clears throat> very much inspired by communication, um, which I think everybody is. I don't know if that's, you know, uh, but it's just, you know, I've been very much into when I'm speaking to people, like even speaking to you now, I'm trying to see it from this conversation from your perspective too, right? Cause like mostly of what you're going to say to me is a reflection of who you are and how I hear it. And how I receive it is a reflection of who I am, right? And my, all of my past experiences, et cetera. So if you're here, you know, hearing these two people have this conversation, there's so much more to it than what you're hearing typically, right. you know, right. and that could even, you know, be down to the most mundane things, you know, it's just everybody is, you know, you're a culmination of all of these things. Um, just to look at it that way, it makes life seem very heavy to me always, but it's not, I promise you. Um, but so, so then I sit down and I write that scene out first, and then I start to, to see who these people are rather than the story. The story will come from who they are. Um, yeah. so I'm very character driven in that way. 
Um, sure. Not so much plot wise, which can be really tough when I'm like, oh, well, I got to make a plot out of all this, <laughs> you know, right. out of who these right. people are, you know, because then I'll develop them and they take on their own life and they have their own voice and I'm writing something and it's like, I can, they're like, I would never say that, <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, right, <laughs> right, 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 yeah, <laughs> you know, um, and I, so I definitely start with character first, who they are, what have they experienced, what's gotten them to where they are, and then I find a plot from there, basically. Yeah. Like, I'm just like, what would be the most difficult thing for her to handle right now? <laughs> what's the, you know, what's the most I can put them through right now where they are yeah. in this life, you know, at this point in life? Because a situation that goes down when I'm, you know, 23 could feel like the end of the world to me. You know, right. and then I'm 29, I'm 30, and I'm like, well, that was not a big deal. <laughs> like, you know, like, yeah, I, I could, that experience could feel very different to a 29 year old or a 30 year old. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes so much sense. And I, I love the way that you describe that. I love that it's like an image, and then you go, you kind of accept that image, and you go, okay, let's think about this. Uh, I think that that's fascinating. I also love that you talk to yourself because I do that too. And maybe that's because I'm an actor. So I like am really used to bad dialogue because um, I've always said, and I'm not the first person to say this, so I take no credit for it, but uh, a bad actor can ruin great dialogue. The best actor in the world cannot save bad dialogue. And so dialogue is like so essential. As a viewer, is, I could agree. <laughs> I, I don't act, but as a viewer, yes. <laughs> which is why, like, you you talk to yourself. I also feel like there's a really good horror story to be found, like a horror film to be found, where like a family thinks their like son is possessed or whatever, and it turns out he's just writing a screenplay. Just writing. But they just like they hear him talking to <laughs> like himself a all night. Thriller. Yeah, I feel yeah. like there's something really funny to be found in there. And now I said it on this and totally ruined the idea. Uh, but, you know, here we are. Um, well, it's like one of my, it's like one of my favorite quotes is um, uh, from Herman Hass. It's like the, from Siddhartha. It's like, <laughs> to me, it's just one of those things that just will always be true. <laughs> and it's that like words, uh, words do not express thoughts very well. They always become a little different. Immediately they are expressed a little distorted, a little foolish. Like where you're like, oh, I had this idea, and then I go to say it, and then it's like, you know, it's like that's my ever, my everyday yeah. struggle. <laughs> right here, right now, I'm like, I have things I want to say, and as it's coming out, it's never quite, you know. Most of my writing is also me sitting in front of the computer, being like, okay, but how am I going to say this to get you? And then I, I'll write it, and I'm like, that's still not it. <laughs> like I'm trying right. to. And then you rewrite it, and you rewrite it, and eventually you reach the beauty and futility of enough. Yeah, I love that. So full circle. Unfortunately, we probably don't have a ton of time to even go into your extensive work uh, doing a lot of post stuff, uh, which is unfortunate. Maybe I'll just have you on again because this was fun. (laughs) Um, But I was wondering, I know we talked before we started recording and you had a great story. I didn't know if that was the only one, but do you have any really great stories from just your years of rampaging around studio lots and <laughs> um i feel like it probably <laughs> um if i have a if i you know, a, a drink in me they'll all sort of kind of come, start coming back but um because <laughs> mo- <laughs> you you know when you're 
like I had said before, when you're, you show up to work and you're doing your job, like, you know, it's, it all kind of sounds like so jaded to be like, it loses its luster. Like, no, like it should never, like you should always be like, but you, you learn how to like, keep your cool, you know, <laughs> how to not right. be like, okay, right. every, like after a couple of days, you're like, all right, everybody's just working. Like we're just doing our jobs, you know? Um, but I was a page at Paramount and, you know, so my job was, you know, for the most part, um, giving studio tours and sort of filling in at different offices and stuff like that. It was before I'd done any, um, production work or anything. Uh, and I was there for probably about a year, but so, so for the most part, we all really keep our cool. And, you know, if you bump into somebody, you're just like, Oh, hi, or, you know, you don't want to spill anything on anybody. That's like a big thing. <laughs> but um, <laughs> right. just to pretend like nobody's, you know, just be like, all right, everybody's, you kind of get like a, used to it a little bit, I guess. Um, but we were in the Paramount Theater. <laughs> My friend, like the doors like burst open and she's running down and she's like, you know, but there are, you know, uh, an event was happening in the theater. So she couldn't just come in like screaming at us. But she was just like, <laughs> her face was like, we, we knew something was going on. We we're like, what's going on? She's like, okay, everybody, everybody, everybody shut up and be cool. Rupert Grint is on this lot as we speak. And like, there was like just a collective like vacuum of air. Like everybody was like, <gasps> like, like, Rupert Grint. We, like, Rupert Grint. Like, we're like, no way. Like, you know, she's just like, so we're going to do this. Like, this is the one. We're like, yeah, this is definitely the one we're all going to hop into some carts for. So, you know, it's like five <laughs> to a cart and a, you know, these like blue metal carts and we're all like walking each other. Like we just literally like break and like disperse through the lot and we're just like you know but you can't go speeding around i mean the fastest those things go are like five miles an hour so you're like come on <laughs> i'm picturing this like the worst james bond action sequence it really, ever. yeah we're all in our khaki pants and our like <laughs> you know our white button-ups with like our bright blue ties with stars <laughs> so we're all dressed uniform you know uniformly we're all like five in each cart like running around the lot and like walking each other like anybody see him here no i don't see him here stage 19 <laughs> you know director's alley no nothing like star trek alley no i don't see him um but we ended up coming <laughs> coming down uh to this there was like a little courtyard and he was by the director's building that's what we called it like not actually where all the directors are today um it's like the old studio setup was like directors in one producers in the other yeah. actors in yeah. another and, and so he was like in the doorway like the director's building and you know as he was like turning the corner like i saw him like i saw the back of him and i was like (gasps) (laughs) i saw him i saw him okay all right everybody all right i did it (laughs) you know it's just we still um you know play like hide and seek on the new york back lot like in the dark (laughs) that was like probably one of the coolest things that i would say like hindsight like that was really fun um, just like playing this giant game of hide, hide and seek, like that's fantastic. It was really cool, but yeah, Rupert and we were all very like you know because if we didn't really have a game plan because it was like when you see him, you have to pretend like you don't see him. Yeah, like what are you <laughs> so gonna there's, do? There's nothing. There's no like it's very anticlimactic because you're gonna see him and and do nothing because right. <laughs> you'll get fired. <laughs> so we just see him just to have seen him, <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> a big enough win. Yeah. Well, speaking of uh, a big enough win, it has been great to have you on the podcast. This whole conversation has been a win. Oh, geez. Thank you. It's been fun for me. Like, I just, I, 
I, you know, I know that we have to stop at some point, but I'm just like fascinated. Like, there's like so much. I'm like, I'm listen. I want to listen. And I, I feel like this could go for another two hours, and we <laughs> still wouldn't have. Uh, we we would have plenty more to talk about. But uh, yeah, I don't. I, what I've started doing with this season of the podcast is just like not planning the episodes, which I hope you know. If you listen to the podcast, I hope you've kind of enjoyed the the more. Uh, the less structured approach, but you know, I was kind of like, Oh, let's talk about this. And I don't know, just your artistic approach to story and to character. Uh, I, there's just something really compelling about it. And I, I, uh, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing that approach with people. I, I found it very, very interesting. And I'm, I'm sure that listeners did as well. Well, thank you very much. I, I had like, you know, cause I've never done one of these. So anybody who decided to listen to the whole thing <laughs> definitely came for you, not for me. <laughs> they were like, this chick, good grief. Like, just say a sentence, get it together. You tell stories? Like, that's your thing? <laughs> like, write them. Yeah, I write them. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, so to, this is my first one and most of it was just me trying to like not shake so much. Um, and I was like, you know, when you, you like had like the questions at it, a few questions to like prep, I was like, okay, all right. I kind of got my gist, kind of got my gist. And then we were like, just kind of went with it and went a different direction. I was like, well, I hope I have said what I intended to say this whole time or that answer came out clearly enough. (laughs) We'll just, we'll just do another episode where you actually get to like, you know, all the questions that I actually sent you where you actually get to answer those because I completely ignored all of them. You know, I'm not sorry. Hanging with you is cool. It was nice to meet you. It was a blast. It was nice to meet you as well. Face to face. Yeah, we've been connected. Amanda and I, Amanda's one of the several guests of the podcast where we met over Twitter. And, you know, with Amanda, it's, you know, I notice people are screenwriters or whatever. And I, I try to pay attention, especially when they're tweeting about those things and what can I pick up from them and what can I learn from them. But especially with Amanda, and I think it's it's shown through this interview, I was really drawn to just your energy and general. I, I feel like positivity is a weird word because I don't think you fake it. I don't think you're like. You can get toxic. <laughs> yeah it's, it's, like, it's sometimes like, people when the word like positivity conjures to mind like people that just aren't real about what's happening around them and i think you are right. that you just have an outlook of um what people are doing and what people are saying matters to you and what you're doing and saying matters and uh i don't feel like that's as common as it should be and so uh, i appreciate that from you and i appreciate the way that you approach your art no, thank you so much. And I, you, I want to see Jane Eyre. <laughs> like, I wanna, is there like a recording of that somewhere? There, I, I do not believe so. I might have like a recording from rehearsal of us uh, singing a song, but that's about it. Before we came on, we were talking about Jane Eyre, which is a wonderful musical. Oh, if you right, I'm forgetting like, what was on it and what wasn't. Yeah, so. if you if you didn't know, it's a wonderful musical, and I was in it, and uh, we were talking about that for quite a while before we because he doesn't want to talk about musical theater and like i'm not in musical theater so i'm definitely not like a you know i couldn't never i mean i did some musicals in high school and stuff like that but you know i definitely couldn't but i could talk about it all (laughs) just i just love talking about it (laughs) because it's great Uh, and so are you and so was this thank you for being on thank you All right. And thank you all for listening. Hope you enjoyed this. We'll be back soon with another episode of the All the World podcast. But until then, please be safe, be healthy, take care of yourselves, 
and uh, go do great things at whatever capacity you have to do them and love yourself. Yeah, and be kind to yourself in the process. Yes, it, when you're being vulnerable and humble and uh, don't forget to dignify yourself as well and, and remember your value. Thanks for listening. 